RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me today is Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? So today, Brian, we're listening to sort of a special episode of the Vampire Campaign. We're listening to the recap of the first session that we recorded, like immediately after the first session ended, Chris, Nathan, and I recorded this. So it's just, it's five short minutes of us discussing, you know, the last four episodes that you've listened to and the first session that we played. Let's give it a listen. That's the end of your first session of Empire of the Masquerade. So now I'm like completely jealous of your disciplines. We're going to murder a lot of people in Draco. Don't worry. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah, oh, we're going to go on blood hunts. Blood baths. Yeah. Literals. Yeah. Literally. You know, we'll get that arranged. What do you guys think? I like it. it. I don't know how I feel about doing just these sixes, but, you know. Yeah. So the actual system is just D10s. You have traits just like this, where it's one through five, mm-hmm. but then you also have skills that are one through five. Mm-hmm. So then you roll the skill plus the trait, a big handful of D10s together, and just like in this, you have a range of difficulties. Yeah. Here, the range of difficulties is obviously just two to six, and you have two to ten on a D10, but it's the same thing. It's one die. Other thoughts? I like the simplicity of the system. My only... Real thing is just, I think as we get going, I'll start to understand when to do uh, mental, psychic, and uh, physical. Going in, I, I totally would have uh, bumped mental up if I would have realized that it was used for so many so many roles. And if you're going to want to take on thaumaturgy at some point, psychic is a good thing to have. Yeah. Psychic like controlled the temperature or something? Or? Good guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's blood magic. Oh, well, you can see where I put next to it. Mm-hmm. Next to every discipline, I put in parentheses roughly what it is. Well, Thaumaturgy yeah. is blood magic. Other thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we were all doing, or you guys were doing characters, and I'm doing a lot of world building as we played. Mm-hmm. Super boring, or eh, it was fine. That's all. No, it was good. It helps build the backstory, right? Because if we would have just launched into everything without building a backstory about who we were then I don't and how we knew each other then I don't know that it would have gone as well and we would have done a lot of the same things that we've done in past games where you're just you're moving and you're you're going through the motions but you don't really appreciate what it is that you're trying to do together well you build a backstory I'm an intellectual and that's kind of the extent of mine but then again yeah. I don't do this very well so <laughs> so did I not focus on you enough or I want to change that no the onus is on me on this one. Okay. I, I took over a little bit in the beginning. And That's that, fine. That That's wasn't fine. on you making that choice. That no, was on me. I had a really clearly built backstory. And you I sure to, did. I wanted to flaunt that. No, it's awesome that you jumped in with that. That was great. Vampire is usually meant to be played in a much more social, lots of talking, lots of intrigue. There's a whole tradition against killing other vampires to yeah. stop everything from being sort of munchkin-y combat. But I also knew I wanted to get into combat in our first game because I wanted to get into a little bit of how that worked. Thoughts on that? 
the next game that we play, I think that we'll be a lot better equipped to be able to handle combat. This this time, like I wasn't fully healed up. I didn't think to use the blood before. Next time, you'll be able to use blood rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as I say, it seems to be a lot of emphasis on pre-buffing. Yeah, exactly. Again, I'm running this whole thing off of a 27-page rule book. We didn't get into it, but FYI, it costs you one blood to wake up every morning. Oh, we did. We we didn't get into that. We but didn't I get did, into that. I did see it on the back. Well, but I didn't feel the need to get into that because I started you out in hungry. Yeah. Before you guys did your first feeding, so I already started you out sort of down there because it's been weeks and you fed a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into some more of the blood management, and we'll get into smarter ways to feed. You've been leaving your victims alive, though. Yeah. If you take one or two blood, I don't even know that they would notice. If you leave corpses, you're going to have some law enforcement issues on your hand, on your hands, and you'll probably break the masquerade, which we haven't even gotten to the tradition of the masquerade. I was going to say, it says hospitalized at five, so... Yeah, that's, that's in the rule book. Mm-hmm. Hospitalized at five. Yeah. By the way, this quick start doesn't even have a humanity tracker. Hooray! Like the old masquerade system. So this is an abbreviated system, but again, I, I hope to play this in five sessions. All right, any parting thoughts? Let me just ask point blank. Is this a campaign that you care to continue? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. All right, fair enough. So, Brian, not a lot there to ask you what, what you felt about. I mean, it's it, it's very reminiscent of the after discussion of basically every session we've ever played, really. Yeah, it's me checking in to make sure the guys had a good time. I want the audience to notice a couple things. One is that I explicitly asked if they wanted this campaign to continue. Which you do. You do that a lot, honestly. Yeah, just to make sure everyone's having fun. Make sure they, they got what they needed. Check in on combat. Check in on the system. You know, got Nathan's thoughts there on the on the on the die. I think I think that's important. Those check ins are important. Having said that, Brian, in this shorter episode, here we are in 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 those of you who've been listening have listened to five episodes of this campaign with really just still an introduction to the world for the players. I wanna go ahead, spoiler warning, and drop some spoilers in the audience and let them know what this is even about so they can decide if they want to continue listening or not. This is something that when I'm listening to an actual play, I'm like, where's this going? And some of the best podcasts out there, like God's Fall, did a great job of upfront telling me what the meta plot was so that I could decide to keep listening on the strength of that. And they didn't keep it in suspense for, for forever. So here is the fundamental question this campaign asks how on earth could vampires live alongside humans now i get it in like the dark ages right i get it when there's no technology i get it when there are very very few vampires but a full functioning vampire society right on the cusp of the age of the internet at a time when you can have motion sensors as well as infrared cameras and you could detect people who are moving and are alive but have no discernible body temperature. Like you could facial recognition where you can see the same face, unaging, unchanging, in picture after picture after picture. Now, none of that was going to happen in 97, but we were on the cusp of all that. Documents that are harder and harder to forge. I just think that the, the notion that a vampire society could be sustainable is is ludicrous. And I really wanted to explore what happens when technology progresses to a point 
that vampires and humans, if they were coexisting at all, when technology was worse and society was less organized, what happens when that comes to a head? You know, that's actually a really interesting uh, proposition. Um, I was watching a TV show yesterday. What The wife was watching it. I was paying attention to the background. It was an old episode of Law & Order from like 15 years ago. Uh, but the uh, one of the subplots was the fact that there was a girl who looked very young for her age who stayed in foster care for, say, 10 years or so after uh, she uh, aged out. And it has that happened? Probably. But... It got into all of the the errors and the the missteps that she took along the way, and she got caught. And that was just, you know, one person. If you had hundreds or thousands of vampires running around, yeah, absolutely, uh, that that would be discovered. I mean, and honestly, the the need for attention and celebrity, especially in a social media world, yeah, absolutely, there'd be you know vampires out there that would you know, have a Twitter or a Facebook or an Instagram. And after 10 years or so, you notice that, hey, you don't age. We joke about that now with people like, you know, Dick Clark, who, you know, eventually, you know, did pass. But uh, yeah, there's no way that would ever uh, survive in, you know, the 21st century world. Just impossible. So, Brian, I have a semi-serious question for you. Are you familiar with Highlander the movie? Slightly. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in that movie is the scene when Brenda goes to the library to meet her friend who has analyzed the handwriting on all the signatures mm -hmm. on the deed to, to the property, and he assembles the Russell, the Russell Nash signature, and he whips his glasses off, and he goes, so what you've got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been crawling around since at least 1700, pretending to croak every so often, leaving all his belongings to kids who have been dead for years, and then assuming their identities. If that guy in what Highlander came out in 86, 86 85, 85, 86, yeah. You know, he figured it out. Just with you know computers and the organization of society and the accessibility of records, he figured it out in '85, and it was totally believable. It's a fantastic scene in the movie. Let technology progress beyond that. You know, human and kindred society cannot coexist any longer. And in the time that we're living right now, I'm very confident saying, if there ever were vampires, they are gone. Yeah, with the Sasquatch and the Yeti and all that. People get wrapped up in this fantasy of oh my God, Twilight, and I want to be like Bella, and I want to become a vampire too. And all I can think is what a huge pain in the ass it would be to have to constantly forge your identity, to have to constantly try to avoid cameras and deal with the logistics of, of working through staying under the radar and, and maintaining the masquerade. Like that would, that would consume my every thought. Yeah, it, I guess it's one of those things, though, that uh – you don't really miss something uh, until technology takes it away. And, you know, you'd live perfectly a normal, happy life, say, in, in 1997 and be blissfully ignorant that in 10 or 15 years, you know, living with that anonymity would just go away. So, yeah, like Bella, whenever that book came, when did, you, you've read it five times. When did it come out? <laughs> I've read it five times. I can't remember. Early 2000s. Yeah. But like, yeah, at that point, she just wasn't thinking. But if it had been 10 years earlier. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's conceivable that, you know, it wouldn't have just been a completely stupid proposition to want to become a vampire. That's my thought. Like, like people think how, would, how cool it would be to be a vampire, and I think what a hassle it would be. And then you're staking your very, forgive the pun staking, you're staking your very existence on all the other thousands of vampires also not screwing up constantly. I mean, this is the whole idea of having a conspiracy. Like the moon landing, you have to have a half a million people who have never once you know, let it slip that, 
you know, that it was, you know, faked, which obviously means that it wasn't faked because, you know, there's no way for that to happen. Like, I can't, you know, uh, accidentally get two tacos when I go through the Taco Bell drive through without telling somebody about it. So uh, it's yeah, it's it, it's it's impossible. So so that's what this campaign explores. This this campaign is my version of Gehenna. And my version of Gehenna is there is simply a world where humans and vampires can no longer coexist. And one of the vampires has realized that and has set some events in motion that will that will come to a head in the final episode. Cool. I can't wait to listen. All right. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned. And we're sharing ours with you.